Attention students, the Jabroni University Network is now in session. Please make your way to class. And on that note, we cue the music. Biff, 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 all right. Welcome back to Biff Radio, episode 101. Just off the bat, big thank you to everyone. Uh, the response and love that I got last week for episode 100, <laughs> and it's still surreal saying it, my interview with Stephen Page was amazing. Um, huge spike of listeners, which is great. Hopefully a lot of you are coming back, um, but just thank you. That meant a whole lot to me. It meant a whole lot to me that so many people listened and really enjoyed it, and like I feel like they were being you know pretty honest, um, and not just you know saying things to make me feel good, which is really nice. Um, so, and I guess another huge thank you to Stephen. Um, yeah, this is another awesome episode. I am super excited for this one. I am a massive ska fan, as you know, and obviously a massive fan of this band. We are the Union, and getting to sit down and talk to Reed. She was absolutely amazing. She, uh, I, I just, I got to, you know, share things with her that I am honestly super grateful that I was able to do. She was fantastic. It was just a super fun conversation. I am just over the moon grateful to, to her for being so awesome and amazing. I am very, very lucky. So uh, just the biggest thank you to her as well. So we'll get into that. Uh, just do the plug skis and then we'll get to the interview. So if you want to follow the podcast on social media, you go to Biff Radio on Twitter, uh, Biff underscore radio, or sorry, Biff Radio 1 on Instagram, Biff underscore radio on TikTok. Follow me on TikTok at Center Club. And to find out more about this podcast and all the amazing podcasts on the amazing Jabroni U Podcast Network, go to jabroniu.com. That is jabroniu.com. You can find out more about Biff Radio, The Draft Pod, Why Do We Ever Meet, Ceramic Cat, Flow and Tell, New Jabroni Pro Wrestling, and Locals Barbershop. Uh, please support those guys. They were all so amazing. Another big thank you to all those guys for just being the best of the best. And uh, just, yeah, thank you guys. I, you know, I've got, we're starting the next, you know, this is 101. The journey to 200 begins. And I am super excited. Next week, we're going to have the monthly wrap up for August in the middle of September uh, with Mr. Andy. He's amazing, and uh, it'll be a lot of fun. So please enjoy this awesome interview with Reed from We Are the Union. And uh, I love you all very, very much. Thank you again. Enjoy this awesome interview, and I'll see you all next week. All right, love you guys. Bye. And welcome back. So if you guys have been listening to the podcast for the, you know, the last year or so, you will know that last year I did an entire episode about uh, an album. And that album was Ordinary Life by We Are the Union. And I have talked about it a bunch. And uh, I am so very, very fortunate to have the lead singer of We Are The Union, the head writer, just an amazing person. And I am just so over the moon thrilled. We've already mentioned the fact I am wearing the, the We Are The Union hoodie. It is a fantastic product. Please buy the stuff. Please buy the merch because it's high quality. It's high, high quality. Uh, the record right over there, it's, uh, it, it's awesome. The, the vinyl sounds très magnifique. Uh, I am very happy to welcome Reed from We Are the Union. Reed, thank you so much. Hello, it's great to be here. So, um, 
yeah, like I just like I am so over the the moon. And I just want to thank you. I know that we we had talked before, um, and you guys were on tour, and um, I'm so happy I got to see you guys play live. I am, and it's actually not the first time. I saw you at the same venue a couple of years prior uh, when you were opening up for uh, Real Big Fish. Oh, cool. And I was like, I, I had not heard of the band before. I was like, man, that's like, because mm-hmm. I, I had known about Jer and, you know, th- them doing Scott Tune Network. But there's like, man, this band is really, really good. And, and I was of the kind of the old head of like, Ska stopped happening in the late 90s. And mm-hmm. I have clearly been wrong. Um, but it was just like, oh, like since then. And then, uh, I mean, just like, I guess, not to, to say, you know, because I li- live in Cleveland, but like, you know, what? If you had to pick a city of the last tour, what would you say like was the city that you guys had the best show in? You don't have to say Cleveland. But what was your mm-hmm. favorite city that you of the uh, the last tour? I have to pick two. Okay. Um, I have to pick two because I I can't possibly pick between these two. But um, <clears throat> one of the last days of the Eve Six tour. Uh, was in Chicago. Ooh, nice. And uh, that was like an absolutely incredible show. Certainly the best of the Eve Six tour by far. Absolutely incredible. Um, had a great time. And also we got to do sound system that night. Um, it was the only time on the Eve Six tour we successfully did sound system. Oh, wow. Uh, and uh, it was super cool. And like people went absolutely crazy for it. And um yeah, it was really rad. And then uh, at the very last day of the Slackers tour, uh, which immediately followed, for anyone who doesn't know, we literally did uh, <clears throat> three weeks with three and a half weeks with Eve Six. And then we left the Eve Six tour to go meet up with the Slackers and did like another week and a half, two ish weeks with them. Um, so we were like on the road with travel and everything for, for basically six weeks straight. And so the tour ended in the Slackers tour, the final leg for us ended in Los Angeles, oh, nice. which is, yeah. you know, my, my current hometown where I live now um, and kind of has become like home base for the band as more and more of us, you know, relocate out here to Southern California. So Los Angeles has kind of almost become like a, like a, a second hometown. So we, I mean, you know, we're, we're from Southeast Michigan originally. So like Detroit is kind of like our hometown market um, where we play like quote unquote home shows. But now also we're, we're kind of like, we're so based in Los Angeles now that it feels, it feels as much like a hometown, you know, as, as Southeast Michigan does. And, uh, and so those are two places we really love to play. And sadly we didn't get to play southeast michigan at all on that tour we did grand rapids which is easter or which is western michigan mm-hmm. um so it was like a bummer that we didn't get that kind of like hometown crowd feeling mm-hmm. and so we get to the region in los angeles and like that was the vibe that's awesome it was like hometown show same energy it was it was absolutely incredible and once again we we convinced max to come out to the show to do sound system with us um and he came out and we did it again so those are those are my two favorite shows is is for one because the crowd was incredible but the real highlight was was getting to do our 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 cover of sound system with uh with max from e6 at, at those two shows that's really awesome so i grew up in michigan i grew up in the mount pleasant area and oh, cool. I went to Western. So, and I lived in uh, Taylor for a while. Uh, so very familiar with, with that, with that part of Michigan and Michigan in general. 
Uh, nice. You are definitely far from the first person to it's like I lived, I grew up in Michigan and now I live where it's warm. But, yes. um, but yes. yeah, it, it is, it is very awesome to like have that, that hometown feel and Chicago. I lived, I, I went, I lived in Chicago, met my wife in Chicago and like this, it's a great, great music city. It's a great, they have awesome venue. So that, that's awesome. And like the tour that, yeah, my leg of the tour I saw was awesome. It was cool because uh, Eve six, uh, here's to the night was my class song. And I gra- I'm the class of 2002. So 20 mm-hmm. years, almost to the day I graduated, I got to hear that song and it was just weird. It was just a weird, like, yeah, this is a weird thing. And it was just, when I first heard the tour, like he yeah, has on tour, I'm like, yes. And then like touring with Eve six. That's awesome. I don't, don't understand it, but it's awesome. And then yeah. um, like, but yeah. like, I guess like, how did you guys get, how did you get um, kind of, you, got, you have sound system. Like where did that mm-hmm. friendship come from? Where did that connection come from? So we were kind of, um, Max, as many people will know, has, has developed quite a presence on Twitter mm-hmm. and um, started kind of interacting with, you know, with our little corner of the Scassi and with, with, um, with us and with Catbite and with a few other bands. And um, I think it started with the, the Do They Like Ska Twitter account. I think that's where it started. I'm not 100% sure if my if my history is right, but I believe it started with um, do they like Scott asking Max if he liked Scott. And, and for the life of me, I cannot remember what his answer was. Uh, I think it was something like degrading. And, and it was like, we all like stormed into the replies. I can't, I can't, I might be making this up, but I feel like what happened was a bunch of people, uh, I want to say like Catbite and maybe like Jer jumped in the replies uh, and said something like, um you should listen to x y and z bands or something and and max was like okay cool and then like we just kind of like interacted a little bit on twitter and then there was one time where i was just like we were we had a twitter thread or something that we were we were max and i were were you know bantering about something and then i tweeted you know eve six do a song with us challenge because he had just done the bass drum of death split um where they they had done a song together and i was like fuck it let's try it you know let's 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 see what happens right and so I tweeted that and Max like liked it, but I don't think he replied. <laughs> oh, that's gotta and be I like, was like, okay, oh, come on. So I like kind of kicked the can down the road. And then like two months later, I was just sitting around and I was like, man, I want to like, you know, we just put a record out. I want to do, I want to do something interesting to like, you know, kind of keep ourselves in front of people's faces and like, fuck it. I'm just going to, I'm just going to message Max. So I literally just DM'd him on Twitter. I was like, Hey, uh, this is kind of a crazy, you know, a a wild thing to throw at you, but would you want to like collab on a cover of sound system by operation Ivy? And I'm not joking. One minute later, Max was like, yeah, absolutely. That's one of my favorite records of all time. And that's my favorite song on that record. And I was like, that's awesome. Okay. Uh, you live in Los Angeles, right? My studio is in North Hollywood. And he was like, where is your studio? And I told him where the studio was. He's like, dude, I live like three minutes from there. <laughs> so, awesome. so like, no joke. It went from like, this is a, this is a wild DM I'm sending somebody to, we were tracking the song in like, less than a week it was so fast it was because it's just like it was so easy yeah and so you know we just stayed friends and um you know a couple months after the song came out max kind of like floated the idea to us and was like hey 
you know, is this something you'd want to do? Um, I think it'd be really cool to like turn this into a tour. <clears throat> and I was like, at first we were kind of like, that's weird. I don't know if that like makes sense, but then we thought about it and we were like, well, like it's not going to hurt us to do it. And it's funny. And we all like the band. So like, yeah, let's, let's do it. Why, why not? Like, so uh, yeah, we agreed to do it. And um, I'm super glad we did. It was, it was a magical tour. It was a, truly, it was a really fun tour. And it's just, that's, I mean, like, I, you know, sitting here, you know, as someone who has, you know, shot their shot, I think that's really awesome. And that's just such a fun, like, man, that's, that, that means, but that's the power of the internet. That's like the good thing yeah. about Twitter and social media of like these kind of things happen. Like, it's nice to, to sift through the, the, the bullshit and be like, good things can happen. Let's just highlight those more. Let's lift, lift those up. But that's, yeah. that is really awesome. So you had mentioned you put, you put out the record. So ordinary life that. I mean, I could go on and I have for many, many times about ordinary life. I guess just like, tell me about like writing that record, like the, 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 the origins, the, the, and then just kind of, what's it like to have that record out in the world? And that like, I, I'll say it changed my life. It profoundly changed my life. I started, you know, reexamining who I was and to the mm. point where like for the first time ever in June of this year, I painted my fingernails. I had always wanted to. And I was like, yeah. you know what? Because I kept hearing your voice, if I have one life. And I was like, yeah. fuck it, I'm going to do it. I bought myself I, <clears> my <throat> gaming headset are these cat ears. I and, love it. And it's just like, I just, so I guess, like, yeah, just take me through that 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 experience. Sure. Well, well first of all, thank you. Um, that's that's incredible. And, and I'm so happy to like, so happy to have played a role in that, in that journey for you. Um, that that's, that's a huge honor. And so thank you very much for saying that and for allowing me into to that part of your life. That's incredible. Thank you. Um, and yeah, I mean, you know, for me, it was like, you know, I, I realize, um, you know, that, that, that I was trans, that I was a woman, um, while I was on tour playing, uh, with a band who we will, we will not name, um, with a terribly problematic lead singer who I did not know at the time. I know now. Mm, um, no good. So I was on tour with this band and, uh, you know, I was sort of like a, like a <clears throat> hired gun guitarist. And I remember you were playing Jacksonville, Florida. And, you know, I had had these kind of thoughts here and there, like, you know, thoughts that I realize now in retrospect for dysphoria. And I woke up that day in our, in our, um, in our bandwagon outside of 1904 music hall in Jacksonville, Florida. And I just like, I was like, Holy shit. Like I, I, I am, I am trans. Like I, I can't, I can't like not engage with this thought anymore. Like it's not going to go away. It's not anything. And so then I kind of like sat with that for a long time. And I was like, I don't know how to, how to do this. Right. Like what the, what the fuck do I do? How, how does any of this happen? What do I do? right? Mm -hmm. Now that I've had this thought, it won't go away. What do I do with this? You know? And so after kind of sitting on that for a while and, and mulling it over, I realized that like, for me, I've always expressed myself through my art. That's what I do. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that was such a huge part of our early discography. And, 
such a huge part of, of the self-care record. And um, it was it was just so clear to me. You know, it was like a light bulb went off. And I was like, it's, it was so clear to me that the, the way that I want to tell this story to the world is is through my art. You know, and, and I think part, part of that was sort of just like, it was a lot easier than having that conversation 10 trillion times. Um, but a bigger part of it for me was just like, that's how I know how to say this. You know, that that's how I know how to put this in into a digestible thought because i you know i i i'm a i'm a neurodiverse person and and i struggle with i often struggle with um you know expressing myself in a way that is that i feel like really like hits what i'm trying to say i always feel like i'm saying like 90 percent of what i'm trying to say if that makes sense mm -hmm. and but in music i have time I can, I can, I can pour over the lyrics and make sure that I'm saying everything just right and spend my time with it. And it really gives me an opportunity to, to say what I want to say the way that I want to say it, not at 80 or 90%, but at a hundred percent. And so for me, it was just so clear that that's how I needed to, that's how I needed to tell this to the world was through my music and you know, at the time, it, it, I didn't even, it didn't even occur to me that like, this would be helpful for other people too, right? It was really just like, it was for me. And then as I started writing it, and as I started, you know, once the record was written and, and recorded, and we started kind of figuring out, okay, what do we do with this now? How do we, how do we release this? What does the press look like on this? Like, what, how, do, how does any of this work? that was the moment where where kind of people started saying to me like you know this is this is something that might actually help other people too and it really just hadn't occurred to me that the, that would be a real thing until way later in the process later in writing and, and and almost towards release date was when I really accepted like okay like this this actually this thing that I did for me actually might be like a useful tool for other people too, or, or even just like some, something to make people feel like, okay, I'm not alone, you know? Yeah. And so that, that was the process for me was just kind of like stumbling through it and just doing what I had to do moment to moment, like writing the next song, writing the next song, working on this, you know, okay, we're doing guitars today. It was very like, like in the moment. And I didn't really zoom out and see the big picture until yeah, t towards the end of recording and, and, um, and again, once we really started to get into like planning the record rollout and doing interviews and that kind of stuff, that's where it really hit me that like, oh, this is, this is resonating with people in, in a way that I didn't expect. I just thought I was coming out, you know, <laughs> I didn't think it was anything bigger than that. Well, and I can imagine like if you would have the thought process of like, I'm going to write the defining transgender coming out album of the, of the century, that would yeah. be so pretentious, yeah. but like. So I think like you have the right thought, like I'm going to make this thing for me. And, mm -hmm. but it like, I mean, I remember, you know, when you came out and like, the reaction on Twitter was just like, there's such overwhelming positivity for it. And then when morbid obsessions came out and just like the song itself and then the video was, mm -hmm. I mean, I guess like, I mean, it's pretty obvious. Um, I mean about, you know, the, the message of it, but I guess like writing that, like, 
you know, because like that to me, like that is, I love the entire album. That's the song that like, I think I, I, I played it like, I think it was like 113 times when I, when I looked at my Spotify raft last year, it's like 113 times. I'm like, that seems wow. light, but I guess like that song <clears throat> in particular, what was that like developing that song? And, and also like then coming up with the concept for the video. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the song itself actually had several iterations and it's one of the few songs on the record that I actually wrote the instrumental track for before I wrote any vocals, which is which is how I used to write way, way back in the day. Um, but I never really, I kind of shied away from that a lot over the course of self-care and over the course of morbid obsessions. Most of it was sort of like starting with me and just guitar and vocals. But with that song, I like knew what I wanted musically for the song. And I kind I like knew what I wanted to say generally. Um, but I just couldn't quite get it where I wanted it the way that I was writing. So I just like threw everything out and I just I just wrote the instrumental song. And I and I was like, I, I need to make this a smaller task for myself so that I can tackle it. You know, because this is like, this is the one, this is the first one that people are going to hear. And, and I knew that from the beginning. I was like, this is, this is, even in the early stages, it was always intended to be the first song that people would hear. Um, and so, you know, after several iterations, I just decided, all right, screw it. I'm going to write the instrumental track, did the whole instrumental track. Um, and then I went back and wrote vocals to it. And during that process i i you know the song kind of went through a few iterations where it was um you know at first it was a lot more fictional and it as i kept rewriting it it got a little more real every time you know it started it started actually as another character hmm. and as i continued writing it it got closer and closer to me and once I kind of realized that like, it's okay for me to be the character of this song, you know, it's my coming out song. It doesn't need to be fictional. Like this is, this is the moment. Like we, we don't need to like hide this behind another person's story. Like that's convoluted and doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. This needs to fully be about me, not through, not through some sort of like, you know, like I said, convoluted metaphor or, you know, it needs to literally just be my story from my perspective. And so I once again <laughs> scrapped everything and I rewrote the entire song using the ideas that I had put in place when it was sort of more of a fictionalized version, um, using the same ideas and a lot of the same metaphors, but I just plugged in things that I actually experienced. And so it really is, even though it's a song that's written in third person about me, it's very real and visceral to me because it's literally, you know, the, I just kind of made a list of all the things that I did and I didn't realize I was doing because I was living with, with this dysphoria that I didn't have a name for and I didn't know what it was. And, um, you know, it, it's, it was never, it was never something that was really talked about when I was a kid, these conversations weren't had, you know, and it's not that it's not that my parents aren't supportive. They're wonderfully supportive. And it's not that they wouldn't have supported me. Right. If I had known this, but the, those conversations just simply weren't had. Then it wasn't, it wasn't on the front of our, 
no. of our discourse like it is now. And so I had all this anger and all these like these built up negative emotions about myself that just kind of came out in these actions that, that I, you know, that I did throughout my life that in, in these feelings and in these thoughts I had about myself and other people. And, um, and it just kind of exploded onto the page. And once I kind of got all that out, all the anger, I was like, okay, but what's the point of this? Right. Mm -hmm. And that was the moment where I went, well, what I'm really trying to say is, you know, I, I get one shot and I'm not going to let my anger and my upset and my fear stop me from doing this thing. That's, that is the only thing that I feel like I can do at this point. You know, there's, there's, there's no other option um, other than for me to like accept this truth about myself and to live it. And so that's where that sort of like, you know, if I get one life, I'm going to do what I want. It was, it was pure defiance, but it's, you know, it's not, it's not defiance against my parents or, you know, defiance against anything other than really my own, my own sort of like habit of getting in my way of dealing with this, of standing in my own way because of the way that, you know, that society had made me feel about having these thoughts. I was, I felt so ashamed of them. And, and so that I, it was, for me, it was just, there's no other way to express this other than like, I get one shot. And that's the thing that connects all these feelings together. It's why I'm still revisiting all these feelings that I had when I was younger and, and all these moments in my life. And, um, and that, you know, that theme carries through the whole record, obviously. Yes. Over uh, but yeah, I mean, that was really it. it it's, it's just a, a loud declaration of like, here I am. I'm not going to, I'm not going to hide anymore to, to please anybody. And, and it, it comes out so, so very clearly, but and, and I, I definitely, I, I glean from that is more of like, we, we have one go around and especially like in 2020, I lost my dad and there are many things that I wish that I would have said and done. And it's like, I, from then on, I really like, I don't, there's no redo. There's no reset. There's no going back. I need to yeah. live this, this, this one life I have. And then like, I look at that, that song is like, that is so, so affirming for, for me and for so many other people about anything that's going on in their life. And like, I just look at that and then like the entire album, it's like you also, you're, you're obviously, you know, talking about your, your coming out, but also talking about mental health and, mm -hmm. and like it was songs like broken brain. And it's just like, there's so many, it was, it's just like, to me listening to that and everyone that I've, that, you know, I've talked to and has listened to the album. It's like such a, like a, you've just bared yourself completely and like I applaud that because I am someone that I I feel like I'm very very open and sometimes <clears throat> overshare. I don't I don't overshare on that scale, but it's such. I mean, I guess like was there were there any songs was there any part of this that were like you wrote it and you're like ooh I don't any any of that kind of old hesitation of like I don't know I don't know if this is a a, a thing or like even like mm -hmm. pl like playing some of the songs for the rest of the band is obviously they're you know very supportive folks, but like that had to be a little bit nerve wracking to like bear your soul on that level. Absolutely. It, it was terrifying. I, I didn't sleep for weeks <clears throat> before, before we went into record, before I, um, before I like had this conversation with everybody, 
um, you know, where I came out and I was like, Hey, here's what the record's about. Um, yeah, I didn't sleep for, for much at all for weeks. It was just, I was completely nerve wracked. And, you know, I think for me again, especially those conversations are so hard to navigate. Um, because I, I, I don't always understand the rules of every social interaction. And so when you're walking into something that's that unknown, that's that difficult, what do you say? Well, how do you have these conversations? And so, yeah, I mean, it, I was, I was terrified. I mean, I was white knuckled until we started recording. And then again, once we were done recording and I realized it had to come out, I white knuckled it again, you know, all the way until until April 23rd, when we, when we dropped the first song and announced the record, like, I mean, I was terrified. Mm. Um, and yeah, the only time that I wasn't terrified during that whole process was, was the time when we were actually recording the record. Wow. Yeah. Were there any moments while recording where I just like kind of the, the weight of everything kind of caught you in a, in a moment or like, you're just like, recording something and you're just like wow this is this is happening i i am this this record is coming to fruition like was there any kind of kind of like just like whoa moments oh yeah i mean i felt outside my body for a lot of it you know a, a, as sort of like okay and comfortable as i felt there was still a very a very visceral out of bodiness to it where it was sort of like okay we just have to push through this and like i don't know what's on the other end of this but you know there was a lot of of you know um it wasn't panic that's that subsided but yeah i mean it was very surreal and, and very uncertain yeah and it seems like like the band has been very 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 supportive uh, i got obviously mm -hmm. not knowing them but like just everything you know that, that's front you know front facing has been very supportive uh someone like jared they seem like they're super supportive and I, I i've had some friends that have had some interactions with them and it's just like that has also got to be helpful too i mean even though like it could be the best people in the world i can understand like having that you know having to bear that has been scary but also it must have been nice to maybe ancillary know like these people are good people that's why they're in my band that's why i've associated with them but that must have yeah. been made it a little bit a little bit less scary but not i mean i can't I, that's i mean i remember when i came out uh, as bi it was, mm -hmm. I did it like an angry Facebook post because I was going back and forth with someone about gay marriage in 2012. And it was like the worst way to do it. Didn't tell my parents beforehand. Like it was just like the worst case scenario. And I, but like, I wish I would have had people around me that like you know, had that support. And I feel like, I don't know. Like I just remember very viscerally, like, you know, when that, when you know you made the announcement online and just like all the support and like there was a little part of me it's like oh god like like please don't let the internet be the internet and be awful and <laughs> i didn't see any yeah. like, i didn't go looking for things i didn't deep dive into a lot of comment sections because i i don't want to do that so i can imagine other people like i just like it seems like the scott community is has been so just welcoming and amazing and i love that, that there is so much more representation in the scott community and you have amazing bands that are just i don't know it seems like like it's been very very nice and, and I, i'm sure that you've you know had some great interactions and i just i oh, i so when you guys made uh the the video for boys will be girls 
it looks like you had mm-hmm. the most fun in the world. That looks Absolutely. like you had so much. Like, I guess like 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 what was that like? It, look, it just looks like the most fun thing. Um, I'll put it in the show notes if you haven't seen it, guys. It is like it, just, it looks like super super fun. Yeah, so we um, we did all the all the uh, pre release videos for Ordinary Life with Chris Grau, who's a fantastic fantastic director um, and and long 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 time friend. And we <laughs> we had the concept for the other two videos kind of locked down before that one because we just couldn't land on it because we kept coming back to this like we kept coming back to this like what do we do with this song you know like there's the other ones kind of have a narrative that lends itself to you know, creating a visual narrative, right? You know, make it easy. It's easy. It's a cute, sapphic love song. So, you know, put a put a queer relationship in a '90s sitcom. Done. Easy. You know, uh, we got a little more creative with morbid obsessions. So it was like, oh, cool. Like, what if we use zombies as a metaphor, right? For, <laughs> for, uh, you know, for for transness. And and it's funny. Chris Chris Grau was actually the one who. Uh, initially kind of proposed that idea and and he was like i don't know if i'm allowed to say this but i think this might be a really good metaphor (laughs) and i was like yeah it's okay chris it is a great metaphor let's do it um but so for for boys will be girls all we had we just kept coming back to this idea of like literal gender fluid and and i think it was a brent idea Hmm. um we just kept coming back to it like we couldn't get away from it. we kept trying to come up with like strong narratives and and you know big you know grandiose things and we just kept coming back to this like okay but there's a gender fluid thing here like there's a there's something to that like a literal you know um and and originally it wasn't supposed to be like something that you would drink it was just like let's have a crazy paint party with like as many colors as we can and and Initially, we were like, there's no way we're ever going to find a place to do that. That's that's absolutely ridiculous. There's no way. And we just kept circling back to that idea. And so finally, we just accepted, okay, we need to like, we need to just look into this. We need to see if there's a way we can do this. Let's write it. Let's figure it out. And so Chris kind of went and did his thing and um, kind of pitched ideas back and forth. And then, yeah, he, he just came to us with with the whole concept and and. Brent found us a warehouse, the, the wonderful Max from from uh, our, our good friends Half Past Two had a warehouse that he was moving out of and needed cleaned. So he, it was like awesome. the perfect storm. He's like, well, yeah, I mean, I have a warehouse you can use as long as you clean it afterwards and you're doing me a favor because then I don't have to clean it. <laughs> and so, yeah, it was such a win-win um, that we got to use that space. And yeah, it, it the concept for that video came together like, you know, screaming all the way. You know, we just didn't want to accept <laughs> that that was the right thing for the video because we're like, this is so silly and so goofy. But like, it's a fun song. It's a kind of a silly song. Like, it really does fit the song. And I think that's why we ultimately kept coming back to that concept. Every time we tried to turn the page and go to something else, we just kept coming back to it. And I think that's why I, I think 
it was the only concept that that really captured the spirit of the song and so yeah it was uh chris had the idea to sort of make it like a cult you know and i was like well what if it you know we made it sort of like more of like a society that people aren't willing participants in and then we were like wait we're thinking way too hard about this <laughs> let's just do it let's just do it we'll do we figured out the story and we'll let everyone fill in the gaps of what this is you know on their own we don't need setup we don't need anything let's just do it let's just tell the like microcosm story so, so that's the way we did it and yeah like so like i guess like the the, like, the cleanup afterwards like 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 how mm. Like how crazy was that? Because like y'all went nuts. I mean, again, mm -hmm. it looks super fun, but like y'all went ham on that. So like, what was like just like the personal cleanup, let alone the space? Like, how long did it take to get all the paint out? I had paint coming out of my nose and my ears for weeks, um, <laughs> oh. truly, and we all did. Yeah, I mean, it was everywhere. Um, so yeah, personal cleanup was was forever. Um, <clears throat> but cleaning up the space, I mean, we mopped the space out for like two, three hours after the video, but it was all, you know, it was all tempera paint. So yeah, yeah. we were very, we were very careful to use paint that we knew we could clean easily. We just needed a bunch of water. And yeah, we all, as soon as we wrapped, we, uh, we all at the end of this long, like 10 hour shoot day, we all grabbed a bucket and a mop and, and mopped out this warehouse mopped the walls scrubbed the walls scrubbed everything I and mean, we you know there was no trace you you would never know the landlord walked in there clueless i'm sure on monday that's that's awesome i can just imagine like this <laughs> a week later like why why oh why? why like why is it blue why is it blue? oh yeah that's right i just i did a video like i just mm -hmm. there have been like random times where like it's sand and that's blue paint would have been way more like i, I can just imagine myself with like a middle of the night like why am i bleeding blue what happened to me um, yeah. So when the first time you got to perform, because obviously also a lot of this, uh, you know, all this, you know, life to happen to you happened in the middle of a pandemic and all this crazy. Mm -hmm. So the first time y'all got to play a show and you got to play these songs in front of other humans, walk out on stage. What is that like? What are the nerves like of like, I'm about to perform for the first time in front of other people. This just my soul like here is me boom, boom like not not that all music isn't like that but like what was that like yeah. that first show it was it was honestly hard to process um and i don't think i really processed what it meant to play these songs live until we had done it a few times um you know i don't think i really felt it until we did um we did a couple of headliners uh, we did three headline shows in california with half past two and eichlers <clears throat> and those shows were where it really hit me like that's where i finally really got emotional um you know there was a little bit when we did the fest uh, in gainesville there was a little bit there but it, i didn't like you know, I, I almost broke down on stage in Anaheim, you know, oh. where it was just like, there is, there are almost 300 people here, like, screaming the words to these songs back at us to where like, you know, I mean, we've, we've been very lucky to have, um, you know, to have, to have people coming to our shows for for quite some time now which is amazing but 
never like that. Never that many people and never so many singing along that I knew I could like not sing the chorus of a song and the audience would have it, you know, they would, they would sing it for me. Um, and so those were the shows where it really, really sank in that like, I'm seeing it in front of me, like all of these people here felt something from this music. And so I think those headliners, <clears throat> which was a full year after we announced the record, that was the first time that I really processed it and had like overwhelming emotional kind of feelings on stage. Um, it was incredible. I, I mean, I'll, I'll never forget that chain reaction show. It was just, it was, that was the moment where it really truly hit me that this record means something to people and not just me. And yeah, I, I really felt it. I, I was processing it for days. I mean, I, I was on cloud nine forever, but also I was just sort of like, what just happened? You know? Yeah. Well, it, it, I, I can, again, I it changed me. Uh, I, so I work in education and I, uh, a lot of the kids, a lot of the kids, we end up talking about music and they're always like, Mr. Ben, like, what kind of music do you like? And I'm like, I guarantee you're not gonna like the music I like, but I, <laughs> I played, I played Morbid Obsessions and mm. there were kids, these were like seventh, eighth grade kids and they really liked it. And I went back to the school uh, a couple days ago and one of the kids like, oh, Mr. Ben, Mr. Ben, I bought a CD. I bought a CD. Like, what do you mean? Like, like one, these, these are like, and like they had your CD. Oh, they, wow. They, and like they, I, I, I had shown them a picture of, you know, this hoodie. I was like, I'm actually interviewing the band. And so um, LJ, I use initials, hi, mm -hmm. um, is I, I said that I would let them listen to this episode because like, I don't let, I, I, a lot of kids really know I have a podcast because sometimes I say bad words. Mm -hmm. But like, yeah. it's it, like I, so the, my, I guess my next question that ties into that is the album art because that's my next tattoo. I have one tattoo. Um, oh my goodness. I have, um, it's on my arm. It's uh, of Kermit the Frog for my dad because he, he introduced me to the Muppets. And so it's, it's Kermit mm -hmm. the Frog um, standing on the bicycle I, and like there's a rainbow and like there's guns in the background. So like the next tattoo I get, um, I don't know where, is the album art for Ordinary Life. Like I guess what, where did that come from? Because it's just objectively beautiful, but also like I knew immediately, like, yeah, I'm good. That's going to be on me at some point. Yeah. Well, that's, that's amazing. Um, wow. That's, <laughs> that's such an honor. Thank you. Um, I actually really like this story. Um, so, uh, Around the time that we were finishing the record, we hadn't really given any thought to uh, the cover art at all. I kind of knew what I wanted, like color scheme wise, but I, I hadn't really given much thought to it. And frankly, I was kind of avoiding it because um, I didn't really know how to put a button on this project, a, a visual button, you know. And so um, I... I was just kind of like meandering through different 
artists and, you know, looking for somebody to kind of draw something like, like we've done in the past. And um, eventually our drummer Brent was like, Hey, um, what about Ray Mystic? Like their art is, you know, their photography is super cool. And like you said, you might want to photograph and, um, you know, maybe there's something of theirs that, that would fit. And I was like, huh. Cause I had been thinking about hiring Ray to do our promo photos cause they're fantastically talented and I loved their portrait work, loved it. And so they were on my radar for that, but I never really considered like, you know, the, the, the more sort of abstract artistic side of what they do. And so on Brent's recommendation, I looked through Ray's website and I found this collection of still lifes that they had done back in 2017. Oh. And you know, I'm browsing through these pictures and I'm like, this is, this is perfect. Like we should commission Ray to do us, you know, something similar to this, but, um, you know, kind of make it our own. And then I saw that picture and I was like, well, I'm not going to beat that. <laughs> There's no way. I mean, that's so much better than what I would have thought of. It perfectly encapsulates the record. It it has this this you know, with it has a perfect representation of life and death, which is some a theme that's been you know a main central theme of my work forever, um, and and certainly plays a huge role in the album, you know, in in ordinary life. And so you know, it was just so obvious to me from the second I saw it. I was like, that's the photo. I I can't, I can't imagine anything else being the cover. So I, I messaged Ray and I was like, hey. Um, you know, would you be interested in licensing this photo to us for, you know, explained a little bit about the project and like, um, I was like, Hey, like, you know, I, I'm not out yet, but I'm coming out as trans with this record and, and, you know, this is kind of what it's about. And I think like, I think this photo, um, you know, I think, I think I said one of your photos, I think would be really cool from this set. And so they sent me like a whole document of like, I like this one and that one. And I was like, it, it's that one. It's the one. It's, it's the, it's the, the carnations and the cat stall with pink. Like, I don't even want to toy with the idea of the other ones. Like, it's that one. It has to be that one. It's too perfect. And so, um, you know, they were like, of course, like, you know, let's, let's, let's make that the cover art for, for your record. And so we, um, we passed that along to Justin Gray, who's our fantastic illustrator and, and um, graphic designer that we that we go to very, very often for almost everything. And yeah, from there, it was just kind of off to the races. And, and he drew up all sorts of beautiful, um, you know, all sorts of beautiful illustrations for the insert and for the back cover. And um, yeah, it kind of that's kind of how it all came together. But but it really was. 100% this still life photo from from Ray. I mean, it's it was it like stopped me in my tracks the first time I saw it. it. I mean, it really is just like I'm a big fan of album art. Like I have a lot of records that I got from my dad, and I've got some amazing you know, albums. I've got you know, your record is right next to Goodbye Yellowbrick Road, and wow. um, which I will say this: thing. my dad stole that from like the Wichita Library in like the 70s. Um, okay, love this. Is, yeah, I, I, when I first got like, 
Good job, Steve. Um, I don't know why he never lived in Wichita, so he must have been <laughs> driving through like I must steal something. But like I just I love album art, and it's just it's such such an eye catcher. Like people come by, like they they walk by it, and they're like, "What is that?" Like it's like, "Oh, well, let me let me put it in, into that awesome burger player right there." Let me listen. Yeah. To that. Um, yeah. So I guess going forward, so like, what is now? Like, I get, are are y'all working on music? Like new new music? Like, what's like, what's the next six months to a year look like for for Rita and for We Are the Union? Um, yeah, I'm actually I'm writing right now. Um, I'm writing a ton, a ton, a ton, a ton of ton of songs. Um, some of it is for We Are the Union. Some of it is for other projects. Um, so like, while we're kind of in this lull of playing shows. Uh, I've just been creating, hitting, hitting the studio every single day. And I've been trying to write at least something every day, maybe not a full song, but at least, you know, a verse or a chorus or at least some lyrics or at least, you know, a melody and some chords that I think is, is interesting. And, and, um, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm pretty hardcore in creative mode right now. And, and I don't know what that's going to shape up to be. I don't know if, if it means there's a new album coming or if it means there's, you know, new, just new songs coming or I, I, you know, at this point it's, it's kind of too early to say. Um, but you know, I, I will say I've definitely been, definitely been writing a lot. That's awesome. I I guess, can you talk about any of the other projects or just kind of keep our eyes peeled to social media for, for, for uh, kind of the future of things? I'm trying to think if there's anything that's coming out that I can talk about. I think it's a, I think it's a keep your eyes peeled on social situation. Cause I don't, I don't think any of the projects that I'm working with are, are announced yet. So there's a, there's a couple things that, that are in the pipeline soon. And then there's a couple things that are longer term projects that probably we won't hear about until early next year, probably. Um, but yeah, I've been, been collaborating with a lot of really cool people and that's awesome. I'm, I'm very excited for everyone to hear all this stuff. So I'm very excited. I'm very excited that in the next couple of days, I'll be getting my book. Um, Cause my, my good oh, friend yeah. was like, do you have the, the book yet? I'm like what book? Like we are union book. I'm like, no, but like I literally stopped what I was doing and like, okay. And, and it's there. Um, so that's also gotta be really cool. Like, like it, it looks really cool. Like uh, BJ is, you know, her review was it's awesome. Go fucking buy it right now. And I, I definitely will. Um, and I did. And so I guess, um, thank you so much for being, for doing this. Uh, like we were talking about beforehand, like yeah. I, I, I am in back-to-back interviews. I am interviewing my favorite artist of all time, Stephen Page and you who I will say this to you and to everyone else, like someone who at age 38, now 39, like your music changed my life for the better. And I I know through my heart of hearts, I am not the only one. And I just like, thank you. And thank you for making music that I know I, I can't wait to re- revisit your yearly. And then like 10, 15, 20 years down the line, still have your record and be like, I remember when I finally decided to like, I only have one life. And it's just like, thank you yeah. for, for, thank you for sharing that with the world. thank you for allowing that to, to come out into the world. Cause Lord knows we need good things at the moment. I mean, we always need good things, yeah. but it's just, thank you. Just thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you for the kind words and for listening and thank you for, you know, you, you say so many nice things about me on the internet all the time. And, and I really appreciate it every time. And it means, it means so much. 
they mean so much to to know that you know the art the art that we're making is is touching people's lives and and that's what it's all about that's that is the only thing that matters you know is is getting these songs into people's ears and hoping that they feel something because of it and so you know to to hear so directly <laughs> Uh, that it did it is something that I will I'll never ever ever get tired of hearing. So, thank you so much for for sharing that. And again, for for allowing me and We Are the Union and and that record and to to play any role in in your journey is is so amazing. And and to anyone else who that's true for, thank you sincerely. I, I, there aren't words to describe how I feel about it, but uh, it was like if you could, if you could take like warm fuzzy feelings and like turn them into like, give them like the energy of like a thousand suns. That's what it makes me feel like. Um, so thank you to anyone who's listened to the band is here for the first time, whatever it is, like it, it it's, means so much to me that anybody is listening and that anything we do means anything to anybody. So thank you so much. And thank you for having me. Well, thank you for coming on. and and. It, it, yes, it, 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 oh, just awesome. Well, thank you very much, everyone. Uh, come back next week for, I don't know what, but, uh, please, please, please also please follow, uh, re and the band on the social media for some reason, if you're not, um, if you just want to do a quick plug of the social medias, even though I'm sure I'll put it out there just in case people are lazy mm -hmm. and they don't want to go search for it. How can people uh, follow you and the band? Yeah. So on, uh, the band is on, instagram and twitter at we are the union um i am on instagram at read are the union r-e-a-d-e-a-r-e-t-h-e-u-n-i-o-n -E uh and on twitter at read wolcott and then on tiktok i think i'm also read are the union yes it's read are the union again on tiktok as well um so that's where you can find me uh, I also stream on Twitch, twitch.tv slash readoutheunion. And I say that I stream on Twitch. I have not logged on in about a year and a half, but I'm going to uh, nice. very soon. So Awesome. And please, 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 folks, also support not only with streams, but also please support with buying the music. Uh, we are coming up at the end of the month. The, the beginning of the next month is Bandcamp Friday, where I always say Bandcamp Friday is when all of the money goes to the artists. Do that. Uh, buy merchandise, buy albums, buy records, buy physical media. It's okay to buy physical media, buy awesome hoodies, just support. Cause I, you know, obviously not in the music business, but I know that streams are nice, but there are more direct ways to support music because that's how music keeps on going. So please, please, please support, you know, we are the union support all the artists to come on. Cause that is, that's, it really helps. Money helps. Yeah. It sucks a word of capitalism and or capitalism, but like it helps. Yeah. And the fifth pressing of Ordinary Life is available now at uh, at Bad Time Records. So and they're beautiful records. So please, please buy them. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, hopefully, we'll we'll talk again and uh, have a fantastic evening. And everyone, I love everyone. And as I have adopted saying, be gay, do crimes, and listen to good music. We'll see you next week. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>